Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Social with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my producer, Lindsay, and my beautiful wife will be joining us here shortly. So today we want to welcome back Dr. Kavali. He is a board-certified plastic surgeon uh, from Atlanta, Georgia. And this is, oh, what is it, the third or fourth or fifth part, theory, fifth part in a series of plastic surgery. And you don't want to miss this one because this is a um, very, very popular topic. And a lot of people have questions about it, me, myself included. And it is going to be, we're going to be talking about liposuction. And I know it sounds like, you know, to somebody that's a lay person like myself that, um, well, how complicated can liposuction be? Could we really dedicate a half hour to liposuction? Dr. Cavalli guaranteed me that <laughs> talk a lot more than a half hour on liposuction. So she's an expert in this field and this is what she talks about all day long. So you don't want to miss this episode. So Dr. Cavalli, with that, welcome back to our show. Thanks. you. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about liposuction and we can indeed fill much more than a half hour with this seemingly mundane topic <laughs> right i mean it seems really right simple on the outside you you know make a little incision i'm ass i'm assuming things before i even interview you but i mean this is my perception so i'm guessing there's a lot of people's mm -hmm. perception like this is that you know you make a little in in incision you take a tube and you kind of suck the fat out. So explain why it's a lot more complicated than that. <laughs> well, you have the basics down for sure. In fact, that is, those are the fundamental steps to liposuction. And I want to emphasize that liposuction is indeed surgery. When you make a little incision, even if it's a tiny poke hole and put something under the skin to do a job, that is surgery. So if somebody's calling it, you know, minimally invasive magic or whatever the the, you know, the latest marketing terms are, they're just trying to gloss over the fact that this is actually a surgical procedure being done. the The purpose of liposuction is to remove fat, and we can do that from any subcutaneous fat that exists, and that means fat that's under the skin and on top of a muscle. So we can do that for a neck, for arms, for bra rolls, for a chest, for even for breasts, actually, for uh, abdomens, anywhere there's fat that's under the skin and above a muscle, we can use liposuction to contour it safely. Uh, now, toes and calves are a little more tough. <laughs> yes, people ask. Toes? People have asked for toes. <laughs> I politely decline, but, <laughs> but there is fat there. If you use a small enough cannula, you can make it happen. Calves are very tricky. Um, but let me, let me kind of backtrack here. So anywhere there's fat under the skin and above a muscle, we can treat with liposuction. And the reason I, I make that statement repetitively is because people sometimes expect us to be able to remove fat that we can't access safely. For instance, intra-abdominal fat, that visceral fat, that omental fat, that fat apron that's under the muscles of the abdomen that creates that rounded kind of beer belly look, that tight fat, that we cannot safely access with any surgery, really, for aesthetic purposes. So liposuction addresses fat that's under the skin and on top of a muscle, wherever in the body that might be. It is for contouring. It is not for weight loss. And we'll come back to that too. But the basics of any liposuction procedure are that first you have to be numb. 
And then you make, you have tiny incisions made there. I call them poke holes. They're tiny incisions that are about three millimeters in length. And then a cannula is used, which is a long hollow metal piece that has some array of holes along its length or just at the tip, depending on how the cannula is designed and what the surgeon's preference is. Uh, and then the cannula is put under the skin through those little incisions within that fatty layer to contour the fat by removing it. When it's removed, it is permanently removed. The fat cells are permanently removed, but you can never safely remove all of the fat in any given area. You have to leave for aesthetic reasons, a thin layer behind so that the skin is not sitting right on that muscle. That's a kind of fake tethered, that's a bad liposuction look. If you've ever seen somebody look cobblestoned or lumpy and bumpy after liposuction, that's a, someone who's had areas that have been over-resected or under-resected adjacent to one another. There wasn't an even contour produced from that procedure. So you don't want the, the skin stuck on the muscle. You want a little layer of fat left behind. So for that reason, we say the results are permanent provided you maintain your weight. Those fat cells left behind have infinite capacity to expand, even though your body's not gonna make new fat cells as an adult. The ones that are left behind have infinite capacity to expand. So if you maintain your weight, you maintain your results. If you gain your weight, you're going to see the fat enlarge first in areas that were not treated with liposuction because there are relatively more fat cells in those non-liposuctioned areas. But if you continue to gain weight, those fewer fat cells in the treated area will eventually get bigger enough that you notice them too. So that leads to the myth of people saying, well, I had liposuction and the fat went somewhere else it did not go anywhere else. That, that means the weight wasn't maintained and you saw it first in the areas that still had relatively more fat cells than the treated area. So that's a good start for you. What questions do you have? <laughs> Janet, I've got some, but Janet, go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I guess so. Really, your ideal candidate is going to be somebody who's already maintained some weight loss prior to coming in for liposuction. Is absolutely. That, that is absolutely true. Liposuction, and this, this is another myth. One myth is people think the fat goes somewhere else after they have it suctioned out, and that's not true. The other myth is a lot of people believe liposuction is for weight loss. It is not, and you may not see much change on the scale. If you've ever seen on you know, any of the YouTube videos where they show a pound of fat versus a pound of muscle, a pound of muscle is much more compact and small. A pound of fat is bigger. So if I remove a pound of fat, we don't even measure it that way. We measure it in cc's or in, vo in volume, not by mass. But if I remove what is the equivalent of a pound of fat, you're going to look like you lost 15 or 20 pounds, but you're not gonna see any change on the scale more than a pound. Interesting. So uh, what about, you mentioned, let's back up on calves. Why are calves difficult to remove uh, fat from? They're very difficult because the well, there are many muscles. There are several muscles in the calf, and the the fat is usually tight on top of the muscle, and the skin doesn't have a lot of forgiveness to it. So it's very easy to create a, a waviness or a contour deformity 
along the calf. You need multiple access points, multiple tiny little incisions, and very small cannulas, not a large four millimeter or five millimeter cannula. You need to use like two millimeter cannulas to get those contoured. So it takes a little longer, it takes a little more finesse uh, and, a, and a lot more skill to get those tight areas correct. So you mentioned you declined on liposuction somebody's toes. Have you ever liposuctioned calves? Because they are difficult. I do liposuction calves. I do. Uh, it has to be the right candidate. And the key is, you know, are their calves large because they have muscle hypertrophy or are they large because there's fat? If there's fat, then they're a good candidate for treatment. If they're in, they just have large muscles, then that requires just re-education to explain that that's not something we can treat surgically. Right. So, Janet, do you have more questions for Dr. Cavalli? Well, I guess um, one of the things that I would feel um, for a candidate would be to be realistic, right? I mean, so what is your approach with your client prior to going through with this type of procedure? Realism is, uh, that's, that is a key for any anybody undergoing any plastic surgery procedure. We have to have realistic expectations set from the get-go, from the very start, or they're not a good surgical candidate. If someone comes in expecting liposuction to allow them to buy a whole new wardrobe, <laughs> that probably isn't true. If they expect it to be for weight loss, that definitely isn't true. If they expect that they're going to see skin changes, tightening of the skin after liposuction, that is also not true. Mm -hmm. Liposuction results depend greatly on your underlying contour and your skin quality. If you have very poor skin quality from say weight changes or from prior pregnancies, if you have stretch marks, that's a sign of poor skin quality. And that just is what it is. It's not a criticism. We all have stretch marks. 85% of women have stretch marks. Um, so it's just a reality. It means that that dermis, the deep layer of the skin is scarred and there's no elasticity left in that portion of the skin. So if we do liposuction under skin that is stretch marked, that skin is not suddenly going to become flat and smooth and tight it's just going to be smaller. So whatever you sit down and can pinch, after liposuction, that pinch thickness will be much smaller, but all of that loose skin is still going to be there unchanged. And so that's a discussion I have a lot, especially with women who come in and say, I don't really want a tummy tuck, I just want liposuction. For some women that ends up being the right surgery, but only if they have extremely realistic expectations about what liposuction can and cannot accomplish. That leads to another thought about liposuction. A lot of people, a lot of marketing is out there starting way back when with smart lipo, smart lipo, laser assisted liposuction. And then all the copycats came along. It was slim lipo and air sculpt. And I can't even remember all the names of them. The bottom line is liposuction is liposuction is liposuction. And if you add laser heat using any of those other modalities, and I have used them in the past myself. Um, if you add laser heat, the marketing tells you, oh, it's to tighten the skin. In reality, what it does is it creates scar tissue, which can tether the skin and make it seem a little smoother, but it's scar tissue and it's not soft. It doesn't treat the stretch marks. If you have 
a large swath of loose skin, there is no amount of laser liposuction that will address that adequately. Uh, and I know this because I've done tummy tucks on some of my patients who I've previously done laser assisted liposuction on. And what did I find? A whole bunch of scar tissue inside. No, no better skin quality, just stuck scar. And that's actually when I stopped using the laser assisted liposuction when I realized it wasn't actually giving any skin tightening. It was just creating scar and some tethering. Uh, but it's a great marketing ploy. And if people believe that it gives them skin tightening or lifting, then it, it's a difficult thing to dissuade them of. Uh, but the reality is it's, it, it doesn't do that. Well, thanks for educating us on that because I'm sure there's a lot of confusion when it comes to some of those marketing ploys like that. And as you kind of said, liposuction is liposuction is liposuction. It's really from that standpoint, it's a simple thing of sucking fat out of the body. So, um, you know, um, any of those other modalities still are, you know, kind of marketing ploys. Is, is that what you're saying? That is true. Yes. And, and, some of the marketing um, of the laser-assisted liposuction devices um, initially would advertise that you don't have to do the suction part. If you just heat up and melt the fat and dissolve it and explode the fat cells and destroy them, you can just leave it. I want to talk more about those contour deformities that can happen with liposuction. There are some newer techniques they don't require fancy equipment. They don't require any, you know, $150,000 laser device. You know, the laser com that's, that's why the laser companies are promoting these things because they want the physicians to spend a whole lot of money promising patients better results that aren't really backed up by the data. Um, but there are techniques that surgeons can use to give better results with liposuction. So way back when the liposuction cannulas didn't do anything except sit there. And so all the function was based on the surgeon's arm moving the cannula back and forth. That's hard on the arm <laughs> and it's much harder to get a smooth result. It's easy to fall into tracks that have already been kind of um, break, broken down. So the path is already made. And so it's easier to make contour deformities doing that manual traditional liposuction. I use MicroAir power-assisted liposuction. There are other brands as well. It's, there's nothing special about the brand, but what it means is the cannula vibrates. I forgot what the numbers are. It's you know like a thousand times a minute or something. It's it's you can feel it in your hand. You can feel it in the cannula, but it helps it to break through fibrous tissue. It helps it to break through any previous scar tissue, and it helps to to create multiple channels for harvesting the fat without falling into a single channel over and over again. It does not create more trauma for the patient. It does not create more bruising. It does not create more swelling. It creates a smoother contour and is easier on the surgeon's shoulder and elbow. The other thing that can be done to create a smoother uh, result is something called safe liposuction. It's separation and fat equalization. That's the acronym, SAFE, separation and fat equalization. When the numbing fluid is put in to, to numb the patient, so I do this awake in the office or I do this asleep in the hospital or surgery center. It just depends on what we're doing, whether we're combining with other surgeries. So either way, though, you still get that numbing fluid under the skin because it 
contains epinephrine, which makes the blood vessels smaller and creates less blood loss during surgery. Way back when liposuction was first developed, they didn't know this. They didn't realize how much blood loss you could have from liposuction. So epinephrine was not part of the wedding fluid. They did it dry way back when, 1960s to start with. And patients had a lot of problems with, with blood loss. So then the fluid was added and then more epinephrine was added and lidocaine for numbing was added. And suddenly we have a safe way to do awake liposuction. So the lipos when the wetting fluid is put in or that tumescent fluid is put in, I can use that same power assisted vibrating cannula to inject the fluid under the skin. So now I've, I'm starting out when I'm injecting the fluid by breaking up the fat already. And some of the fat is dropping into little puddles and some of it is hanging tough. But then I follow it with the cannula also vibrating, but I'm not injecting fluid. Now I'm suctioning out the fat. Well, some of it's already loose and then some of it I'm continuing to break up and remove. And then at the end, I come back not on suction, turn off the suction. So now I just have the vibrating cannula. So now it's just a tool that's moving things around. It's not removing fat anymore, but I go back through the area that I've just treated. So any bits of fat that are uneven are gonna get dislodged and they're just gonna fall into any little crevices that are left behind. So that's the separation and fat equalization. I didn't come up with this. It's something that Simeon Wall, a plastic surgeon in Shreveport, Louisiana actually um, developed some time ago and has talked about it a lot of conferences, but I've adopted that technique and it really truly does help. It also helps, oh, there you go, <laughs> EVL. It also helps when um, if someone comes who's had liposuction done somewhere else and they have contour deformities or irregularities that are bothering them, you can use that infiltration, that vibrating infiltration, and then just the cannula on vibration with no suction to correct those prior contour deformities. You're not removing more fat. You're just dropping that fat from the full areas into the not so full areas after you've broken up the scar tissue. So there are ways to correct liposuction gone wrong uh, and there are ways to get it right to start with. Yeah, I would assume patients would really like to get it right the first time. That's why it's important to go to a qualified plastic surgeon that's board certified like yourself, correct? That is correct. I will add that for liposuction, many dermatologists are also very adequately trained in uh in liposuction in fact the dermatology community is the one who first came up with tumescent anesthesia uh, which is liposuction done under straight local anesthesia with no other medications at all uh, it's a higher ratio of fluid uh, than i typically use but it was initially developed by a dermatologist way back when and speaking of dermatologists i i actually uh know a dermatologist that used to do liposuction and one of the reasons he quit which is kind of why you're talking about this um is it was a very laborious procedure and he got tired he just got tired i mean physically tired from doing it um so and his and his dermatology practice was going very well so he quit doing liposuction i'm assuming it's before some of this fancier equipment that you were talking about came out is what i'm assuming but well even with the um, power assisted liposuction. I have bilateral labral tears in my shoulders, MRI wow. proven, and it's from mm -hmm. liposuction. Wow. Yeah. So but yeah, it's, it's very, very intense. It's very, uh, it's very physical work. Right. Um, 
it's not violent. You know, I guess you see some YouTube videos where they sort of make it look violent. It's not violent at all. It's very controlled, but it's constant repetitive motion for hours at a time. Um, and it's just wearing. Yeah. So even, even with the power assisted. So what's the, what patient would benefit from going under general anesthesia and what patient would benefit from, um, just local? What, 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 how do you make that decision? That's a great question with multiple considerations. First is, are you an anxious patient? Are you super scared about knowing what's happening? Well, then we're going to the OR where you can have anesthesia and be unaware. Even if you're under just twilight sedation, I don't do that in my office. Um, I don't have an accredited surgery center in my office, so I don't do that type of surgery. If I do it in my office, you're going to be awake. You're going to be awake and chit-chatting with me. We're going to check your vitals, of course, but you're not on continuous monitoring because we're not giving the types of medications that would require that. That's how we do it safely. So if you're if you're really scared and you just don't want to know, then we're going to the surgery center. That's on the patient. That's the patient's choice. <laughs> so for my consideration, if we're doing more than three or four liters of liposuction, I prefer to be in the OR for that. Um, so we can do some fluid replacement, check vitals continuously. The other and major consideration is how much numbing fluid do I need to do the procedure safely? And that's not related to how much fat I'm taking out. That's related to what surface area I need to numb. For instance, if somebody wants their abdomen, I know I can do that in the office. If they want their abdomen and their back, well, I might not be able to do that in the office in one setting because the numbing involves lidocaine. And you know, as a pharmacist, <laughs> there is a maximum mm -hmm. safe dose of lidocaine that one can give at a single time and be safe before we have heart problems, before we have neurology problems. Um, so that for liposuction is 35 to 55 milligrams per kilogram. And that's much higher than the five to seven milligrams per kilogram that you're probably used to seeing as a pharmacist as the toxic numbers. The reason for that is it's dilute, it's in the subcutaneous plane, it's not IV, and a lot of it is removed with the liposuction procedure. So 35 to 55 milligrams per kilogram is the maximum safe amount of lidocaine in a single setting. But for adequate numbing, on average for an abdomen, I might need two liters of fluid. And that means 2000 milligrams total of lidocaine. And for the average person, that's pretty close to their maximum. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I need more than three. I can, I can cheat up to 55 milligrams per kilogram and use three bags. But if I need to more than that to get adequate numbing, then we have to go to the OR to do that. Or we have to split it up into two or three surgical sessions. And who wants to do that? Right. Get get it done done. One, time, one recovery, be done. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. That so makes. we're going to stay tuned because we're going to share some pictures later on that you can comment on. Um, in the meantime, what's this cool scope, this cool sculpting uh, stuff? Tell me about it. So cool sculpting is not liposuction, but it is a way to remove fat. It is also permanent. Now, the company won't say permanent because, you know, FDA. But just like liposuction, the fat that is destroyed by freezing is permanently destroyed. Those fat cells aren't going to replace themselves. So cool sculpting is cryolipolysis. It is not surgical. 
at all. There is no scar. There's no nothing. It's a, a hand piece that sits on the, the fat surface that you want to treat. It involves suction. It pulls it up into these two cooling panels. And those panels get cold enough that the fat freezes. Literally, ice crystals form in the fat cell wall. And that destroys the fat. Now, why doesn't it harm the skin or the muscle or the nerves or the bones or the, the blood vessels? Because all of those tissues are damaged at a much lower temperature. So you have to freeze even more to damage any of them. So we protect the skin with, um, there's a little cloth and gel, and then put the cooling panels on for 35 minutes. And you leave with a little you know, cold stick of butter, basically, once it's all done. Get that massaged out in the office before you go. In one month, you'll start to see results. And in three to four months, you have your final results. Cool sculpting is great for smaller focal areas. You're probably not going to come in and do your whole abdomen and your whole back with cool sculpting because the price would be astronomical compared to liposuction. Interesting. But because there's a fixed there's a fixed asset cost related to each cycle that's used for cool sculpting. So for instance, it might take eight of those cycles to cover an abdomen, and then it might take another four to cover a back. So 12 cycles is gonna cost you a lot more than one session of liposuction would cost. And they, what you can expect from cool sculpting is 20 to 25% fat reduction in the treated area with each treatment session. So if you're smaller, you can get away with one treatment session. If you're a little thicker and you need more fat reduction, then you do a second session a month later uh, to further reduce and then you just go on about your, your way. So it's nice that there's no downtime. It's nice that it's not surgical. Uh, it does work. It is very effective. The people who, who complain that it doesn't work have typically undertreated if it's recommended that you have six cycles and that you repeat four of them in a month in particular areas and you say, oh, I'm only going to do three, you're not going to see results and you're going to think it didn't work. So it's best to you know, pick a focal problem area and treat that or just do liposuction. That's really good to know. Um, <laughs> I know a plastic surgeon that... Um, does both and he kind of is like on the fence like you of course he's a plastic surgeon um and he you know for a lot of patients mostly it's probably best to go with liposuction yeah. and i do both as well i have two two cool sculpting devices in my practice i definitely believe in the technology i've had it for years it works it brings patients in who just like just like liposuction. A lot of patients will come in and say, I want cool sculpting, and they turn into liposuction patients. Liposuction patients come in and say, I want liposuction, and they turn into tummy tucks or mommy makeovers. Because when you've got a practice with a full toolbox, we're not just yeah. gonna sell you the hammer that we have, you know? <laughs> right. Everyone doesn't have to be a nail. We can literally treat everybody appropriately who comes in the door because we've got all the options available. That's awesome. So let's go into some pictures. Do you mind? Or Janet, you have a question? No, go ahead. Let's start with that male patient, um, Lindsay. So it's interesting. Men are um, very commonly liposuction patients. Uh, my men come for Botox because they're in sales and they can't look angry anymore. 
<laughs> they come for liposuction because they just have this stubborn area, usually on the belly, <laughs> that won't go away. Uh, and they come for uh, eyelids, upper eyelid surgeries to just not look so heavy and tired all the time. Those are the three main things men come for. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I would have never guessed the eyelid thing. Yeah. I guess I guess I need to start looking at the mirror a little closer. <laughs> <laughs> so this gentleman, um, he also he had liposuction of his abdomen and waist, and it looks like I also fixed a hernia on him, a little umbilical hernia. You see, he had an Audi, and then he's got an innie at the end. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I just gotta I gotta give you a compliment because you must look at people all the time and. <laughs> And you look at them different, whether it be their face, whether it be their bellies and they're in a bikini, and you can see <laughs> stuff like that. I would have never even looked at them. Oh, yeah, it. sure. <laughs> That's the first sure. thing I saw was, oh, I fixed his belly button, too. <laughs> right, right. Well, That's this funny. is obviously, I'll, I'll let you keep coming, but this is obviously a very compelling uh, before and after for liposuction. So tell us about the treatment. Was it just one treatment? Tell us all about that. So this was one treatment um, because I fixed the hernia at the same time. This is someone that I did in the surgery center. Uh, he is someone, if he didn't have the hernia, that I would have done liposuction mm. in the office if he had wanted to. So he would have been a very appropriate candidate. Uh, he chose not to treat his chest at the same time, but he would have been a good candidate for that as well. The male chest does well with liposuction for that little bit of gynecomastia. Um, but he's a good candidate for liposuction of his abdomen because that roundedness, when I pinched it, was all outside. It was not visceral fat. It was pinchable fat on top of the muscle and under the skin. So I told him, this is something I can definitely treat. You know, the next question from men is always, well, are you going to show me my six pack? And my answer is always, if it's under there, <laughs> right? You know, yes. If you don't have one, I'm not making one for you. <laughs> you go work on that yourself and I'll, I'll give you the best advantage to show it off when you get it. <laughs> he also That's had good skin tones. So he's got uh, you know nice retraction of the skin there. Men have that advantage because they don't have babies, of course. So what percentage of your practice is male versus female? About 15%. My practice fits the national statistics pretty much perfectly. Across the board for plastic surgery, 85% of the patients are women, 15% are men. And that's regardless of if the plastic surgeon is a male or female? It is, although there are some plastic surgeons who are specifically catering to the male population. So within their practice, they, they have a lot more men. Right. Uh, but across the board, the average is 85 and 15. Good this is a woman who I love this picture because look at her belly button. It didn't change. In fact, she might have a right. deeper, a deeper fold after the surgery above that belly button because she is someone who I had a discussion with and said, listen, if you want flat and tight and smooth, we need to do a tummy tuck because look at your skin. And she says, yes, I know that, but I think I want more babies. So I don't want that right now. I just want you to give me the best result you can give me without doing a tummy tuck. Let's just do liposuction. Oh yeah. And we did a breast lift. <laughs> so she loves her new perky breast. She didn't want anything fuller than what she had. So there are no implants there. It's just a breast lift with her own tissue. And then a lot of liposuction on that lower abdomen and the upper abdomen and the waist. You can see that little back and bra roll. Uh, mm -hmm. She still looks a little swollen to me. This might be a six week follow-up picture because that upper back bra roll looks a little full to me and it looks a little brawny, like it's got some swelling in it. Uh, so this is gonna improve 
between this time point and her six month follow up. But this is a very realistic expectation that somebody can um, can anticipate if they have loose skin, if they have stretched skin and they opt for only liposuction. This is a good representation of that because her belly button does not look any different. In fact, some people might say it looks worse because there's more of a crease and a hangover of skin after that, the surgery. Yeah, that I mean, that's definitely a good sales pitch for liposuction. I, mean, I, I would have never guessed that with liposuction, you could get that dramatic mm-hmm. of a change. Yes, it's, it's removing thickness. If you can pinch it, yeah. that's what you can get rid of with liposuction. And as long as it's outside the muscle and under the skin, that's what we can address. So would you recommend... Um, when that gal had uh, the surgery b- before before she had babies, so you would basically what you're saying is, would you not recommend a tummy tuck if you're not done having kids? It depends. If if you think you might want another baby at some point in a, in a distant nebulous future, and you're really unhappy with where you are at the moment, you can absolutely have a tummy tuck and successfully have a baby later, and not completely undo everything we've just done. For this woman, though, she had a timeline. She says, in the next year, I'm going to have another baby or I'm not. But I know it's going to happen or not in the next year. And I said, well, if you're that concrete about it, let's not do the tummy tuck and risk messing things up. Again, they don't go back to where they were before, but you definitely do loosen the results some if you have a pregnancy after a tummy tuck. I've had a handful of patients who've had oops babies after their tummy tucks. And what are, what's the recovery time? You mentioned that one gal there, she might have still had some swelling and stuff after her liposuction. You mentioned, you mentioned a six month follow-up. So how long until the body is kind of, as long as your weight stays stable, how long until the body kind of remodels and um, after liposuction? Great question. You see most of your results within four to six weeks. But there are tiny, gradual, grass-growing kind of changes that continue to happen up to a year after the surgery. What I tell people how to personally gauge it. If you are still healing and that scar tissue is still substantially remodeling, you are going to be super sensitive to sodium intake, to salt. So if you go eat chips and salsa six weeks after your liposuction, the next day you you might look completely bloated in all of the areas that I've done liposuction. It's very sensitive to salt intake. So what I tell people is, you know, you're done when you have your chips and salsa and the next day you still feel okay. And there's no substantial change. And for the majority of people, that's sometime between nine and 12 months after the surgery. Up to a year. That's good to know. (laughs) Yeah. So this woman in this picture you're showing had a tummy tuck, a hundred percent had a tummy tuck. This is not a, a full liposuction result. Many of my liposuction patients are not just having liposuction, though. Of, I may even say the majority of them are having combination surgeries. They're having a tummy tuck and liposuction, or they're having breast surgery and liposuction, or a thigh lift and liposuction. So it's very much a procedure that complements other procedures well. In this woman, the, the change on the front of her abdomen is all tummy tuck, 100% tummy tuck. The waist... That is 100% liposuction. That is not from the tummy tuck. That's contouring with liposuction through the incision that I use for the tummy tuck. So there are no extra scars. So we do the liposuction to contour that waist a little bit over the hips. I also contoured her thighs. If you look at the thigh gap before and after, it's substantially different. 
Uh, it's much wider after the space between her knees. These photos are standardized. She's standing on an octagon with her feet on either side of the octagon and it has numbers on it. So her feet are touching that octagon in both the before and after. So her feet are in exactly the same mm. position. It's very standardized. It's not cheating by having her stand for right. her apart for the after. <laughs> hey, that's good. Thanks for clearing that up. I would imagine there's people that have cheated and, you know, obviously for before and after. So thanks for clearing that up and being totally yeah. transparent. Yeah, there's there's a lot of deception out there and there's just no reason to be if you're doing good work and, and a lot of it. Just put it out there. Um, so the waist, um, the thighs, that's all liposuction. That flat tummy, that's a tummy tuck. So this is, these are the sorts of pictures, the one before and the one now that I show people and say, if you want that flat and tight and smooth result, you're going to need a tummy tuck. If this is the right time, go ahead and do that. If it's not, then we can still do liposuction, but let's be realistic about what you can get. Uh, so one thing that you've been hitting on at least two or three times is that liposuction is about contouring. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. And, tum and tummy tucks necessarily are not, correct? Tummy tucks are not necessarily just for contouring. Now, they're not for weight loss either. Yeah. So in that regard, it's similar to liposuction. Neither one is for weight loss. But a tummy tuck, I would say, gives more dramatic contouring because it addresses three things, the skin, the muscle stretch, and the extra fat. Liposuction only addresses the extra fat. That makes sense. So as we wrap this show up, Dr. Cavalli, what would you like our listeners and viewers to know about liposuction? I think the main takeaway, and I don't even know that I've hit on it necessarily, is that liposuction is liposuction is liposuction. There is no magic type of liposuction that is going to work better than another. It truly matters who's holding the cannula. That's what it boils down to. And you want someone that can show you a lot of before and after pictures of their personal work, a lot of personal testimonials, uh, if, if those make you feel more comfortable. Um, but don't go for the, the fancy new brand of liposuction because if the person doing it isn't an expert at liposuction, you're not going to get great results. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, Dr. Cavalli, we're going to go ahead and tell us how to get a hold of you if people have questions. And we're going to go ahead and... Uh, stream your website here. Um, Dr. Cavalli, how could people get a hold of you if awesome. you have more questions? They can call the office at 404-250-3333, or they can always shoot an email to info at drcavalli.com. That's I-N-F-O at D-R-K-A-V-A-L-I.com. Well, thank you so much for educating our viewers today. And Stay tuned in a few weeks because we are going to put all this together and Dr. Cavalli is going to show us what a, tell us and show us what a mommy makeover looks like. So we're going to put all these episodes together um, to, to get the final picture. So um, Dr. Cavalli, thank you so much for being on and tune in tomorrow, tomorrow morning on our midweek podcast. I'm traveling early this week, so I will not, it won't be on a regular Thursday. It'll be Tuesday. We're going to have Ethne Nance back on our podcast. She is going to be talking about how hospitals are profiting from COVID. You might not be surprised or you may be surprised about that, but you do not want to miss out. She's an expert in that field and don't miss out tomorrow at 8 a.m. We'll be streaming from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio again. Dr. Cavalli, thank you so much for being on. Thank you. It was Here's great. 30 uh -huh. minutes of liposuction. That's right. That's right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good one. You too.